Another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptal, C70th Bat at C70 on Twitter. Usually with me is Alan Medlock. Alan's still doing the baseball thing, had some makeup games to do this weekend, but um, last weekend had a chance to go play in a tournament. His team went two and one, and so he, Coach Medlock got his first wins as a high school coach. He'll be with us hopefully next week to talk a little bit about that and the Cardinals. But Sitting in his chair tonight is the man, the myth, the legend, the man that started this whole thing. Uh, <laughs> it's Dan Buffa. Uh, you'll know Buffa from Buffa82 on Twitter. But some of you may not know, if you're a more recent listener to this show, that Dan and I started this show as the best Dans in baseball. Um, in fact, we'll probably toss the old intro at the end of this show. But uh, Dan and I haven't done a show together since I think we looked it up. It was like April of 16. So, Dan, you know, Albert Pujols comes back and you come back on the show. It is Legends Week this week. I'm telling you, man, I, I think I just had to wait. You know, there was that, <laughs> there was the close calls, there was the maybes, and then, you know, even when I saw the tweet, I think it was, I saw it from Derek Gould, I just thought, is this like an early April Fool's joke? I mean, I thought it was already April because it was just unbelievable. But, yes, it's it's good to be back. Six years was long enough, I think, you know. Yeah, get on your reignite the best stands in baseball flame for an hour or so. That's right. We can we can definitely do that. And um, <laughs> you know, like I said, let's just let's just dive into that because that is the biggest story of the week. Um, is Albert returning? As you said, it seemed a little bit. I, I really didn't think the Cardinals would go that way. I mean, not that there isn't reasons, and not that there isn't. We can talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the thing, but it just doesn't feel like the Cardinals have been over-sentimental um, in the past. For them to make this move was a little bit out of character. Yeah, I mean, and really, I think it was Drew Silva who had a really good tweet that maybe this is the Cardinals going, okay, we're not going to get a shortstop or a starting pitcher, so we let's go the other way. You know, We listen to Yachty, who's been sending us all these texts and emails about Call Albert, mm-hmm. and... And we have Wainwright, and we have this big send-off. And, and I think they are, for once, going for nostalgia while maybe trying to s- slowly ignite the young train of, of young hitters. But, I mean, I was shocked, man. I mean, I, I really was. I was right there with you. I was I was for it. And then I kind of convinced myself to get into Switzerland mode just in mm-hmm. case. Because, really, if it happened, it was great. If it didn't happen, I was kind of – you could see both sides. But it's clear what the Cardinals are doing. They're, they they kind of opted not to go out for a big shortstop, maybe trying to recoup some cost and bring home and send off all these these three guys all together. Even though, is it really completely sure that this is going to be all their final years? I know Yachty for the second time has said that he's done, but Wayno refuses to say a word. And if Shop Tom, I return a question to you, my friend, is if. He sh- if he finishes 698, you, you, you got to think, does he come back next year to get those two? You know, that's the that's <laughs> the interesting thing. For for that's him good. and for, you know, if Yachty and Wainwright are two away, somehow something happens, and they should make this record, the, sure. of, you know, the battery record that they have going for. But if for some reason they're just a couple away, you know, do they both try to come back? And, I mean, Wainwright has, of course, ruled out next year anyway, but I, I don't know. I, I think for Albert... I don't think Albert's in this. I mean, he'd like to get to 700. Yeah. I don't know it's that pressing because he did. You know, he seems to be fairly content with where he's at. And he's got to know that 
you know, he needs 21. It would take, uh, it would take a heck of a year for him to get that. And I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I mean, how do you think they're going to use him? I know everybody's a little bit concerned that if they're going to overexpose him, that he's going to, you know, the sentimentality is going to rule and he's going to wind up with like sure. 400 at bats. Do you think the Cardinals are going to do that or think they're going to be judicious with him? I really think, and I see this extended with their new announcement today that maybe Andrew Kisner is going to start more games and Yachty's going to kind of give, save his body a little more. Maybe that's part of the whole plan with Albert is that, you know, well, maybe 300 to 350 at bats, especially if Goldie hit the IL. But I think their best case scenario with their signings is that they want Dickerson to get back to that form that he was in 2019 and they want Albert to take on the lefties and, and Dickerson to take on the righties and also maybe kind of work in Gorman. I, I don't think he's going to play second base all the time, if he, especially if he makes the club. And then Juan Yepes is kind of the guy that maybe takes kind of a hit this year and, and Brendan Donovan. But I, I think their best case, the way they're looking at it, is for Dickerson and Pujols to really split this DH thing. And, of course, they can fill in other areas, pinch hit, outfield, but – I think that's the way they're looking at it. But, again, who knows? I mean, the, the roster's down to, what, 34 after today. Yeah, I think that's where they're about today. And um, Yeah, I think that's that's what they want to do. Um, and I think that's probably what they're going to do. But as somebody pointed out, it's got to be interesting for a first-year manager that is, you know, five or more years younger than Pujols and Yachty to be the one that, tells them you can't play every day. I mean, that's got to be a difficult spot for Ali Marmol, right? I mean, really, you, you get, I mean, really, imagine what he's walking into. We've already heard enough about, you know, Mike Schild and his point of view as he enters his own, his, his next phase of his career. But you're following a guy who, yes, you know, there's the two-sided story of the coaching staff altercations and the idea that the front office is kind of through this on Schild. But, you know, if you're Marmol and you've worked with them and you've worked with Yachty and supposedly he's very close with Albert as well. Yeah. It's that immediate test of your friendship to your, well, what could be the beginning. I mean, he's just so young of a manager, a, a long managerial career. If he, if he uses it right and mm -hmm. throwing championship out there a lot, a lot more than, than previous managers did. I think he's hungry, but I think the hunger level is going to be shown by that split. Dan, Daniel, I, I think it's going to be, does he have the foot to be put down and say, hey, Albert, you know, we're going to back Corey half and half. Mosellock and Pools can discuss it, but when you, you know, when it gets into the season and, you know, Yachty gives him that look and, as you said, he can get a little tempered, but that's going to be where we really see if Marmol can put his foot down. I mean, it isn't about the record this year. Yes, they could surprise and maybe, you know, do, do, do something in the playoffs, or they could not, but I think it's seeing Ali Marmol in his first year with a lot of young players, and as you pointed out, a couple guys that are older than him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just it is it's an interesting dynamic because he has to find a way to make all this work to make the front office happy, obviously, because if not, mm. he can ask his buddy Mike Schill what happens, and he also has to kind of appease a roster that man, it's got a lot of different flavors and speeds and mixes to it. It may be actually one thing that might actually work for Marmol is that he can say, look, this is coming from the front office. You know, this is cause, <laughs> because it's it's fairly clear that managers now, you know, and we've, we've talked about it a lot. We know Dave Roberts in the postseason last year was talking about how he only had like one one vote in who was going to start and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, you know, that's going to be the new thing. And so and sometimes it may be, hey, look, this comes from higher up than me. You know, I'm just the... I'm just a messenger, you know, take it up with Mo. Um, yeah. You know, that that is going to be interesting to see if that's the how things flow. I mean, obviously, Marmol's got some say in the thing, but he does. I mean, we've talked about it, and we did talk about it a little bit with Schilt, but it does feel like it's more so with Marmol. He's more open to the platoons, the splits, figuring out the, just the way to optimize this lineup, and it doesn't have to be the same way every day. Um, I think that we've seen that. I mean, of course, you always see different lineups in spring, but we haven't seen, I don't think, and maybe you've, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, I don't think we've seen like a, a lineup that you would say, oh, that's pretty much opening day. I mean, it has to be. He's kind of mixed things around a lot trying to figure out what's going on. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I see a guy who's flexible. I, I mean, when, when I'm beginning, and as we slowly put this together about what happened at the end of last season, I think maybe Schilte was a guy that wanted to have one closer and one this and one that. And as you said, you know, there could be a at one point it could be a few or six or seven different starters in that rotation if it helps the club. There could be a lot of platoons. It could be a closer by committee. I kind of like the way they're stretching out Jordan Hicks a little bit to maybe take on multiple innings, but it looks like Marmol is just more open to things. He's new fashioned and he's old fashioned because he's worked with Schilte and, and he's, you know, he, he played in the game and he's now, now he's in a coach. And I think he's more open to the new age of sabermetrics and Hey, you know, F, this, this batter does this. And even if it's not fan friendly, maybe, Marmol will surprise us and be that guy that goes, well, I'm, I'm going to go with, with what the numbers say and not with what the heart says. But I do think he's going to have to get through the first year with uh, the final, the one last ride before we can really see him do what he can do. But it'd be nice to see a little bit of his stamp as a manager. It's the first year and, you know, Cardinal managers first years are usually like, let's go. Um I really want to see what he can do. I, I think that's a developing story, the, the Ali Marmol beginning. Yeah, it's – boy, you think about it. It's You have to go ways back, right? You probably have to go back to Joe Torrey. You have to go back to Joe Torrey before you find a manager, a Cardinal manager that didn't go to the playoffs in his first year. Um, yeah. And go yeah. fairly deep, um, you know, first full year. I mean, obviously, um, Shell came over in the middle of 18 and didn't – uh, but yeah. you know, first four years in the playoffs, and you know, gets past the first round. Matheny got past the first round in the first year. You know, Larusa was a game away from the World Series. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Let's just try not to remember what happened the next three games. But um, so yeah, there is a little bit of of pressure there to hold up to that kind of standard. The expanded postseason will probably help him and the fact that, you know, half the division isn't seeming like it's trying. But there you know, he can't be on a hot seat. He's not going to be on a hot seat. But no. you know, people are gonna not be overly thrilled if he doesn't make the playoffs this year. Yeah, because you know I mean Show kinda of did that really quick turnaround. He took over and then he kind of ended the skid. He mm-hmm. he ended know the drought and while he didn't last you know there's that precedent like you you know that we talked about with this that when you come into a team like this and hey you know you look to your left you got nolan arnado at third you got paul goldschmidt at first you got this guy named albert in the dugout with you you know you you have a team that is not exactly built packed with potential to basically you know run around the national league but as you said earlier a few minutes ago this is not a division that's really being held up high out of people's reach. I mean, the Reds pretty much just had, had a garage sale. I don't know. I mean, the Cubs are always going to be a pass, and playing in, in, in Pittsburgh is never going to be a delight. But And, you know, Milwaukee's just, you know, the, the, the Milwaukee's going to be kind of a kind of the force, I think, that's going to exist over the next few years for the Cardinals. But if they do things right, Daniel, man, I mean, they, they can push. But, yeah, I mean, Ali Marmol, he, the way he's talking and the way that he's talking about the roster, he's not wanting to kind of take his time. He wants to hit the ground going and hopefully get some results. And this is his ragtag group of uh, veterans and young players. I mean, gosh, we could be talking about a, a Brendan Donovan this year who could be a weapon. We got a guy named Nolan Gorman who – what is your now? Let me flip to that. I mean, I, I don't know what what the, the the docket was reading, but one thing that that I'm talk, thinking about is the second base situation. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's going to be a Gorman situation with Edmund, or do you think Gorman's going to be a little bit everywhere? Well, I mean, you know, of course they've sent Gorman down already, so that means that they're <laughs> going to wait on him for a bit. When he yeah. do, when he does come up, well, I think when he come, if he comes up, and I think that's kind of what we've seen with with him and Yepes. I, both. He arranged my question when he does get here. Yeah, well, it, 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 it would be just the thing. They've sent those two guys down because they want, partly, in, in large sure. part, because they want them to play every day. So if they're coming back up, either one of those, I think they're going to play on a regular basis. I don't think they're going to be the, you know, play, you know, one or two starts as a pinch hit. So, sure. uh, you know, yeah, I think he comes up and he probably, maybe he pushes Edmund into that super sub role we've been talking about. Um, but I think once he gets up here, 
it's his job. Now, for you know, it is interesting, I think, that Donovan is one of the only guys that's still in camp out of those young guys. And maybe yeah. they look at him more as this guy doesn't necessarily need to start. Maybe this guy doesn't need to be playing every day. We can use him on our bench as this versatile guy. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if he makes it. I don't know that there's roster room with Pujols. I have to look and see. Um, but he may be, you know, he's still there, and that gives him a chance. Yeah, he is. And, and you know, he, he's he, you know, he's, he's 25, he's a seventh-round pick, so maybe he is that guy that could be, like, the ultimate utility guy. He's listed mm-hmm. as a second baseman on MLB.com, but I know he can play a few different areas. And that just, you know, getting back to Marmol, this is the kind of roster he's working with. He has the established guys, but he has w- one thing that could develop – on with his offense is maybe with Gorman going down against everyday starts, the Cardinals do ride this Corey Dickerson and Poole platoon. But if Corey Dickerson is indeed the guy that has been declining, maybe Gorman, in addition to playing some second, maybe Gorman gets some spots at uh, at DH this year. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of pressure on Dickerson because, yeah, sure. you know what they're paying him. Five million for this year? Was it, was it a one-year deal? Or was it a two-year deal? I don't remember. Five million, and, and, and yeah. it gives me the, the the idea that they could just go. Well, this is like a, uh, you know, we're we're gonna write you that check, Corey. But you know, I, I want to say on um, you know June first, if Gorman is just shredding, you know, Memphis, mm-hmm. and, and and Edmund is maybe hitting really well, and you know he's a Gold Glover, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> if he's doing his job at second, and you yeah. don't. You can move in Gorman maybe once or twice a week. I think Gorman, like you said, I think Gorman's the pressure here on Dickerson, especially if he's hitting. But Brendan Donovan, too, he's listed as a second baseman. So <laughs> Corey Dickerson comes in and goes, all right, this is nice until I see all these young guys yeah. behind me. Well, and, and again, again Yepes is the guy I think that, you know, of course a lot of people expected Yepes to be on the roster, and he probably would have been without, especially without Dickerson and Pujols. Um you know, if he goes down and hits like he did last year, I mean, that's a situation where, okay, maybe he comes up to, to platoon with um, with Pujols um, instead. And, yeah. you know, and then Dickerson's gone. It, it There are a lot of different ways that Corey oh. Dickerson doesn't make it through the rest of this year, unless the only, the only way he does is if he hits. Yeah. And, you know, it could be a situation where Dickerson maybe accepts a role where he's kind of like this super pinch hitter. Mm-hmm. Or he's the guy that goes into the outfield. He did win a gold glove. Maybe he serves a different role than, you know, maybe he holds the anchor at, at left-handed DH. And maybe Yepes shreds right-handers. And then you got Pools against lefties and Yepes in there, too. But, you know, it, it's a good problem to have when, when you have these young guys that are seemingly going to have a still have a shot to get some at-bats. I, I, I like to see... And maybe this is where they went with Marmol. Maybe he's more open to competitions. Maybe Mike Schulte wanted, uh, okay, I mean, I want Dickerson and Pools. I want, I want it lined up. Mm. But Marmol is thinking, let's, you know, let's make this a competition. You know, Pools is going to obviously start against lefties and maybe get a some starts against the righties if he has some history against those right-handers. But you know, keep it open. I, I think open competitions in the was essentially the most the shortest spring training ever into the early season could be fun for all parties, especially with the division that's I don't think anybody's going to run away with. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Milwaukee has their own issues. I mean, obviously they've got the pitching; they've just got to see if they've got any offense. So, um, you know, it really feels like the Cardinals can hang around with the Brewers. Yeah, is Christian is Christian Yelich? Is he, mm-hmm. is he Christian Yelich from you know Berserk? Christian right. Yelich, just like down to earth sort of Marlins-y Christian Yelich, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, I, you know, with the back issues that he's had, you know, it, I I would be very leery. I mean, I know that the Brewer fans are expecting a rebound, and there's probably a good reason for that. But, um, yeah. you know, I and if he doesn't go, boy, you know, that's a, it, that's a tough thing. It, it stinks for them, and you got to think, you know, you had Prince Fielder that had that, what I thought was a kind of an abrupt ending to his, mm-hmm. I thought kind of just went on. And now you have, and then you had Brian Braun and all that stain that he brought. And then you have your, your mega hitter and Yelich get a back injury. Um, I know they're a competition in the division, but I, I'll raise a glass to the Brewers fans here real quick. and have a sip because they're, 
they're having a hard way. I mean, they're they're in it obviously, and Craig Council's just an amazing manager, but they they their their big boys seem to be getting like knocked off or, or at least like like chinked a little bit. Yeah, they have. They have. Um yeah, armor gets chipped, you know, it's just man. But again, as a as a Cardinal fan, you think, okay, it keeps him more in in, in you know, more in line to catch up to, but you know, you gotta sympathize with those Brewers fans that are thinking Yelich is gonna be this incredible player. And then the back injury comes around again. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm kind of looking, you know, right now running the, the Plain Pepper series that I do every year, and the Brewers will be coming up next week. But, you know, a couple asking a couple of the Brewer bloggers, and, you know, they've done some work on it and stuff like that. It, it does look like there's some some reasons for hope. But, you know, he, he's not going to be the guy that we saw those last two years. It's, yeah, I mean, I remember, I don't know, was that the first week of the season where, they, he just almost single-handedly like beat the Cardinals oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> series. So that was oh, that was yeah. terrible. Uh, you know, kind of off on a tangent. I I think it was connected to Marmol, and then we got into the offense and this <laughs> team. It's like sneak in the back door again, go back to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? We're just, yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get around to everything eventually. It just may not be in any sort of order, um, <laughs> which is fine. Um, Different office shop, so who cares? <laughs> that's right. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the pitching staff, but we'll get back we'll get back to the offense and we'll talk a little bit more about Pujols and stuff in a little bit, but let's look at those pitching staff and what have you seen this spring? Of course, obviously the injuries have hurt, but how confident are you in at least the starting rotation? You know, I mean, I I think it's going to be one of those like patchwork kind of things. I like what I've seen from Jake Woodford and I I do think he's going to be, that guy that they kind of plug in as glue, hoping maybe it can stick. I mean, we just don't know about I mean, shoulder injuries and getting injections and hoping mm-hmm. things. Clarity, you just don't know. And Alex Reyes, a guy who was being converted back from a reliever to a starter-ish in the first place. I mean, I think the X factors are, are in two guys. I think we know by now, I'm trusting that Wayno, maybe he's not going to be unbelievable Wayno. But he's still going to be pretty good, Wayne. Pretty sound. Yachty's back there. I don't really expect him to really come down at all. Steven Matz is is another guy that I think. Gosh, you just hope he look. Ben, I mean, Ben Crudy did, did it right. He he said he he's, he's good against bad teams and he's not so good <laughs> against the the really good teams. So he's kind of a wild card. But for me, it's and if Miles Michaelis gives you innings, but it's Dakota Hudson, man. I mean, if Dakota Hudson is is like not just like sharp, I mean, he can't really afford to be even coming off Tommy John and a little bit of an appearance late last year. You know, he has if he can be a little something more, something like he was, maybe a little quicker, which is not likely with Tommy John. We always know when they come back and they can have that little rough year, but I think somebody's gonna have to step up, shop tall, and I, I don't think it's – I think Woodford, you're just hoping if he gets in there, okay, give us innings, kid. And if Drew Verhagen, had they really advanced – I haven't – I lost track of him this spring. Is he is he still kind of one of those could be five or six guys possibly? I think right now he's the fifth starter. I mean, he struggled last night uh, against the Marlins. Um, but from all, all signs indicate he's going to be the fifth starter this year. And, you know, he's had a decent spring except for – for last night, I believe, but, um, yeah, you, you know, losing Flaherty changes the equation of this thing so, so much. Um, and you know, it just, it just really feels like that's, that's a place they could have addressed a little bit better. I know that, you know, you get your depth, that's great, but it would also be nice to, you know, have a little bit higher quality, um, overall, uh, I think you've got a very decent, solid floor, but you don't have a real high ceiling with this rotation and so many question marks in it that we're already seeing with Flaherty being hurt. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and look, you know, if Drew Verhagen, he, maybe he's the wild card. If he mm-hmm. ends up a decent five, and I guess they're playing, I guess with Woodford, they're playing to maybe have him go back to Memphis and keep making starts. Probably. Yeah, Probably. because I, I mean, I, I, I always thought, even from the early signs of camp, that he might take that fifth spot. But I, either way, maybe it's a combination. I and mean, hopefully they don't start doing the 55 bus up and down with Verhagen <laughs> and Woodford. But they could. But that is an area where 
I'm kind of I'm I'm really I'm with you on that. I think if you weren't going to add a huge bat, you know, you this is the second time Chapo they're going into a season with a with a rotation that is kind of held together by duct tape. And again, this one is is without their proposed ace. You know, even if Wainwright outperformed him, when Flaherty's still got that, he doesn't have the mantle, but he has that. You know, the one where they they want him to be that guy. But mm-hmm. this group, I mean, I. I really, I, I want to say that that you, half of the group can give you what you're going to need. I want to think of Michaelis, gosh, can to stay healthy and give you the innings. I mean, last year the Cardinals, for starters, for a while there, couldn't even go four or five innings. So yeah. if this, if this squad can somehow get through, I want to say the middle of May, just by giving innings, maybe they're getting battered up a little bit, but for them, the key with this whole rotation patchwork it is it is is just Give, provide as many innings because if they don't, the bullpen gets bent over and then the whole season gets turned around. But I don't think the offense can slug, can outslug the other team that many nights. No, uh, this is a, a better offense than maybe we have seen in the past, but yeah. it is, it's going to have its, it's going to have its hole. Now, you know, if the, if the outfield looks like it did, you know, April or um, August and September of last year, that's a lot better. But, we don't know that that's what, you know, especially Harrison Bader. I mean, I hope that he's turned that corner and if he does, he's a very valuable piece, but you know, it's kind of, you know, got to make sure he does it again. Uh, And I think that's what we want to see. I think, I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt on, on Tyler O'Neill and, you know, Dylan Carlson is probably going to take that next step as well this year, but um, they have kind of have to have everything clicking um, to overcome what could be in a week. Now, now I do think that, if they could take a lead to the sixth inning, they're in pretty good shape. I think the bullpen oh, yeah. feels pretty good. Yeah, I mean, and, and you got to think that this team's is still built on defense. I mean, they have the infield defense, they have the Gold Glovers, and look with Bader, I, I think we're we're hopefully again. This is the season where if he puts it together, he has a, the last two years of a seven seventy nine and seven eighty four OPS. He doesn't really have to go much more than that. No. to balance out his defense. I mean, look, what he did last year, 21 doubles, 16 home runs. He struck out under 100 times, I mean, 103 games. But, you know, he's if he can do that, especially slashing what he did with the run saving, and Carlson, that maybe that's a guy on the offense that could be a big a deal breaker. If he does what he did last year, it could be good. But what if Carlson kind of goes off a little more this year? Maybe he's the guy that kind of ties the lineup together. Could be, could be. I, you know, again after well, DeYoung, <laughs> oh. you know, but DeYoung has looked pretty good in spring so yeah. far. He has, he has. Um, which again, it's spring, and you know, some people that look good in spring don't when the bell happens. But I think as lost as Paul DeYoung looked last year, and and all the yeah. stuff. Of course, you hear best shape of your life, that kind of stuff that comes out in spring. But right now. You know, if, if he's starting every day, I don't think anybody's too terribly concerned. He's hitting, well, I mean, look at his spring numbers. Yeah, hitting five, yeah, 500, two homers, nine RBI, uh, leading the team in pretty much everything. Three um, strikes. Yeah. Not bad at all. I no. Mean, I, and, and, and I think we, we, he's hitting good, and I, I think a lot of teams are maybe because of the shortened spring training or having to throw some of their top or tier talent. So it isn't like he's probably hit, getting all these hits off of like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, got or never had any chance of getting on the team. So, I mean, and again, that's a guy that doesn't have to, to destroy pitching. He, he, he's a very, he, he's a good shortstop. So all you really have to do is get back to your, maybe could get back to that 750, 800 OPS area, get, get out of the 600s or 547. So, that's another guy that, that gives you defense. All he has to do is give you the home runs and not, as you said earlier, look so lost because he was a sure out. When he walked mm-hmm. to the plate last year, you almost think it was it was like softball rules and he was already behind the count. It's just it, it was sad because there would be a, your first and second bases loaded, you know, corners would be stacked, and, and here comes Paul DeYoung, and you halfway understand that he makes a lot of money to, to, to do this, but – you want him to do better because that's a team-friendly contract, and even if he hits better and raises his possible trade value, that helps the club as almost as much as him having a pretty good start to the season and easing a lot of the worries about him kind of hitting that plateau. 
It's also been nice that, you know, again, small sample, only six games, yeah. but Edmundo Sosa, you know, backing up is still hitting as well. I think there was a really good possibility that, you know... Ooh, maybe? Yeah, I mean, that Sosa would have been kind of that one-hit one wonder type of thing, but, you know, it looks like he can at least still be a, a serviceable backup, which gives options. Now, again, like you said, once Gorman and, and Yepes and all those were starting to feel a, a kind of an infield crunch, you know, it used to be that we had so many outfielders, we didn't know what to do. And, and now the Cardinals have so many infielders that they're trying to sort yeah. out. They have two very, very highly paid corner infielders. It's almost like the infield is just, it is really crowded. And then they put the, the middle infield is where the, the, the roles are potentially up for grabs. And that's, especially if they want to use Edmund the way I think we all think he should be used. You mentioned it earlier. Use him like, like a Swiss Army knife. Use him all over. He's got a really good arm in the outfield. I think that's the first thing I noticed about him that was kind of that was shocking as a, compared to the other full-time outfielders' his arm. And so, you know, you can really get creative and, you know, obviously Mixia Pez, you're going to have to use the DH. But, yeah, Gorman is a guy that obviously isn't on the club to start the season, but, man – Seeing how – that's the guy that you're going to want to track down in Memphis and track his availability up here because I do think the club wants to get him at bats sometime, you know, in, in, in the first half of the season. But if Edmonds going well, again, like you said, you know, I don't think they're going to get him up here unless he can start every day, though. Yeah. You know, just looking at these spring training stats, and I haven't looked at them, and I, and I don't – somewhat a little bit skewed by that, you know, what, 28-1 sure. game. But a lot of them aren't because by the time those, the big part of that game came along, a lot of the starters were out. You look at the offensive numbers, especially in a place, you know, we've a lot of times had very weak, the Cardinals have had very weak um, numbers in spring because Jupiter is a tough place to hit and the winds and all that kind of stuff. But they put up some really, you know, kind of gaudy numbers. And granted, again, you know, 10 games or less for a lot of these guys, but Still, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, Paul DeYoung hitting 500, Paul Goldschmidt hitting over 500, uh, you know, Dylan Carlson with an OPS almost of 1,000. Um, guys, Baders, you, yeah, it's, Baders yeah. the same way. Um, you know, the guys that you want to see hitting are are hitting, and, um, you know, the, I guess that gives you a little bit of confidence of what's coming up. Yeah, there's and there's, there's a good reason I think Donovan's still there. He's, he, he's hitting well. He's too. He's got eight hits. He's hitting 250, but, you know, he's – you show that, 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 that he, he can collect some hits, and then there's Anya Fez, who's you know hitting 250, but he's hanging in there and 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 getting some hits, and he's also drawn five walks this mm-hmm. this spring. So, and again, like you said, Dylan Carlson, Paul DeYoung, and Goldschmidt both with 10 hits and seven runs scored. So, yeah, I mean, and I always think if you're if you're cranking close to the season, if you if the bats are moving, I, I can't see a guy leave spring training at the very end. And then come into the season and not be hitting well. I, I I like to think that stroke carries over, even if you know the, the opposition gets to be a lot stronger. I, I think if a player is seeing the ball well, I think that that's one of those simplistic things yet kind of eccentric things about baseball is you know if a, if a hitter is seeing the ball well, it, does the competition even matter? I mean, yes, mm-hmm. the sure is going to matter, but it's good to see Paul DeYoung centering the ball I and mean, getting getting good hits, not striking out, not looking lost. So, right. yeah, I mean, does he, he I mean, we speak about Gorman and Carlson, he could be a game changer if he's Paul Young from 3 years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he if if Paul Young's going where he's going, this lineup becomes yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> then you got to go, all right, Pools, whatever you do, great. You know, don't mm. don't pressure. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's exactly what you want. I mean, obviously, you don't want to be relying on either, yeah, yeah, either one of the either Pujols or Dickerson. Really, you don't want them to be like, oh, this is what we have to have. It's like, okay, if you can top it off, that's great. Yeah, I mean, they they, they could be the kind of things where you know, if those guys actually produce, that's even better. But I think the Cardinals, you know, they're doubling down on Paul DeYoung. I mean, maybe you know, they're doubling down when they saw all the prices that. Mm. Uh, that the other players were getting, but you know, if Paul DeYoung can do that, it, 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 it you know, it, it gives viability to that contract because if he can produce again for the contract, he's making what the Cardinals need him to do. They just need him to play a good short and find a way to, to keep your OPS over 750. You know, I mean, that that's great. Hit home runs, you know, for him, 
I think not even a lot of walks is required, just not as many strikeouts, not as many one, two, three strikes, you're out. You mm-hmm. know, build some counts and, you know, give this lineup something else after Arenado and Goldschmidt and O'Neill. And you know, then, like you said, that's where the guys like Bader and Carlson, if they can come in and slap the ball around too, especially Edmund, this, this lineup all of a sudden gets a lot longer looking than it's pitching staff and rotation. Yeah. Yeah, and they, and they're gonna need it. Um, so we'll we'll see how that all shakes out. To get back to the pitching staff, though, and and a little bit more about the bullpen. And Jordan Hicks has come back this spring. He's looking good. I honestly expected him to start in the minor leagues because of just of yeah. how how long he had been off and everything like that. But it really looks like not only does he still have the arm. But he's starting to figure out a little bit better how to use it too, and so I, I expect that you know I know there was that talk of stretching him out to be a starter. Obviously, that went by the wayside with the shorter spring training. But um, it seems like he's going to be not only on the major league roster, but he's probably going to be one of those guys that's pitching in the seventh or eighth when there's high leverage situations. They're going to probably throw him right into it. Yeah, I mean, you see his his spring, and I like the fact that there's no hit batters. There's one walk. Mm-hmm. Right, guys, because you're right. If he becomes more of a pitcher and not a thrower, I mean, even if he gets an, an even another a, a really deadly second or third pitch, then that 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 extra that multiple inning relief role looks deadly. And also, I do think the team is maybe, especially if this are going in that direction, perhaps looking at this this guy to be a starter, not this year, but maybe next year, stretching him out slowly maybe increasing his arsenal of pitches. But even if he is a bullpen guy, it's good to see that he's still got the zip because the results are there. And again, you know, small sample size, the competition, but seeing him not throw all over the place, because yeah, he's, it, it's been a little bit <laughs> since the guy is, you know, was throwing to the Cardinals uh, playing against the angels in pools. Right. It's like, those are the last times that we really heard the prominent name of Mr. Jordan Hicks. Yeah, and, and, you know, Hicks always always felt like he didn't strike out enough guys for what he yeah. threw. Um, partly because he didn't, he was. He wasn't controlling it very well. He was you know, rear back and throw. And, you know, he's got four strikeouts in two and a third innings this time around. And he's not, yeah, he's doing it around the, the 99, 98. You know, the slow, he's in the slow lane for Jordan yeah. Hicks, you know, 98, 99, <laughs> whatever. But, you know, he does, it really does feel like this time away has, you know, there's some maturity level and stuff like that, you know, just just getting a little older, getting a little bit understanding a little bit more about, about pitching. Um, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what he looks like this year because he really could, and you put him with um, Gallegos especially, yeah. um, you know, even whenever you need a, you know, a, if, if it's in the seventh or eighth inning and you need to, you need to stop right there, um, you know, to have both of those guys. And then perhaps a Ryan Helsley that's in that mix as well. Cody Whitley, um, you know, you got to feel pretty good about your chances if you've got a lead after six. Yeah, you got this Aaron. I mean, I, I've been keeping my eyes on, I'm not sure if he's a, but Aaron Brooks is mm-hmm. a guy that I keep my eye on too. He's got some innings this, this spring with seven innings. And, you know, you have a lot of these different guys. Maybe, you know, I mean, you know, Hennessy's Cabrera, he, he's another guy that I think, if you had him and Gallegos and Hicks all going, that's like almost like your seven, eight, nine, or potentially your six, seven, eight, nine. But you know, if you have one or two of those guys not going, that's that's what you got to worry about. But you know, seeing the seeing them throw well and seeing that the innings come out, it, it's it's good to see because I think the bullpen's going to have to once again, at least until Flaherty and we you know you get an answer on Reyes what he can do. I think the bullpen's going to have to carry it in this first couple months of the season. Which is a little bit concerning, just because that's yeah. the problem from last year, right? They they like, carried them early on and then couldn't do it after that. Yeah, I mean, you had Joano Oviedo, who's not starting the year with the team, but de- definitely could be up at some point. You know, you had to basically kind of throw him de- definitely in the lion's den, and then you had Woodford, you know, who who made kind of a nice little put a nice little ending on his season last year. Which kind of gave him, you know, kind of a little momentum going into camp this year. But you know, you're gonna have a lot of different pitchers. I, I, I look at this list of, of pitchers who have thrown an inning or even a third of an inning. I think a lot of these guys we're gonna see make an appearance. I think I think Matthew Libertor is gonna make an appearance mm-hmm. before the end of the year. Um, Helsey's definitely gonna factor in. Junior Fernandez and 
maybe, you know, the, I think Aaron Brooks, I, I want to think that he might get a shot at some point. Connor Thomas, I mean, it's all these names that just, you know, they, they give you all these different things. It's going to be Ali Marmol's job to put labels on these guys. Like, you know, what, what are they doing? What's their job? Do they have a job? Is there going to be that standard setup this year, Shop Tall? Like it's the seven, eight, nine, or is there going to be something different? Well, they've added Aaron Brooks to the forty man, so and Good. he has no options. So if he should be on the big league club, I mean, we'll see what you know. Like Whitgren, he's got no options. He's going to probably be on the club. Um, there, I feel like there, there's probably going to be somebody like. A Helsley or like uh, Cody yeah. Whitley, that CJ McFarland, our little lefty specialist, he's back yeah. there too. Yeah, I'm yeah. a little bit concerned about McFarland just because. Yeah. I just don't know that he's going to do. I was concerned when they re- when they signed him, brought him back, um, yeah. just because I don't know if he can repeat it. But you know, he had a good. You know, if he can do the ground ball thing, um, this is the defense to do it in front of. So, um, but. Yeah, I think that like the Whitley or a, a Helsley is probably going to wind up going down to Memphis at least to start with, just because of the Nick roster Ch- crunch. He, yeah, Nick over that the Wickren, you know, he, he he could be a guy. He's, you know, he's a righty. He could be a big factor in it. You know, and they have all these different names. It seems like they have a lot of new names down there, even with mm-hmm. the like you have the Helsley, the Cabrera, and, and the Gallegos and the Hicks, but you have all these other areas that were, were, were maybe like a guy like you know that. Aaron Brooks could maybe slot in and play a bigger role because he doesn't have a lot of options and maybe he makes a bigger impact. I think that's the best thing with the bullpen though. Well, you can't bring the same bullpen back every year because relievers are just too volatile. You've got to, you got to kind of mix it up and the Cardinals have, you know, they've kept a hold of their good ones. And and a lot of those are young guys that, you know, they didn't have to worry about um, when they've brought in a few new faces. And, And again, most of them are fairly cheap. So if they don't work out, you know, they can be shown the door and somebody else could take their place, uh, which can work well for some people. They can live up to the challenge and might be a little bit much pressure for some others. But, um, you know, I think that's there is going to be I'd like to think I don't know that I'm really quite believe it, but I'd like to think that with this kind of depth that they have, that it gives them the opportunity, both offensively and defensively or and pitching wise to not necessarily give a whole long leash if they don't if if it doesn't look like it's working out. Yeah, I mean that's the one good thing about having mm-hmm. so many names that you can kind of lean on some and really you know you can kind of maybe the idea is to bend some of these arms and see which ones can hold up and and and, and what what kind of role players they can play. You're right about having to switch it up because you know being a reliever you know you don't really have a schedule. I mean you're you're a starter. You're, you know when you're starting. If you're healthy, okay, I'm, I'm going to start here and here. But with a reliever, it's so, like, you know, crazy and, you know, haywire night to night that, yeah, shaking it up is good, especially with a lot of young arms. And I don't know, every time I look at this, Aaron Brooks, 6'4", 230, throws hard. You know, he's got that big arm. And hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping this guy can, can, can make a big difference. Because the Cardinals are going to need these a couple out-of-nowhere guys in, in, in this pitching staff to just – Keep the keep the duct tape fresh. Well, I think that you know you you talk about Brooks, and I think it's obvious that the club was looking at him because he's got the third most innings on this team. He's got more innings than Dakota Hudson, who starts, so he's got more innings than Jake Woodford. Um, you know, he's got seven innings, which again, there are, some of these relievers are going to go north with only like three or four innings under their belt, which is not great. But you know, to to, to see that Brooks has that many is just they've just kept putting him out there and. They're, they're probably trying to get an answer, kind of like a Donovan. Right. Trying to get, they kind of know what they have with with some of the guys. I mean, you don't have to put Gallegos out there too right. many times, but these kind of these guys that don't really have any options or fringe guys that have to pitch. You know, it's good to see that he's responding with with, with performance, though. I mean, I, I really like the ten Ks in the seven innings. And I mean, we're looking at these stats; they're just uh, official game stats. But a lot of these guys are pitching in the backfields, pitching, you know, getting their work in, maybe not in a most, you know, competitive situation, but, you know, against hitters or of some sort. You know, we we talk about it on the on the hitting side. You know, Tommy Edmond played a lot of games in the backfield so that that Nolan Gorman could play with the big big club and they could evaluate him. So, yeah. you know, just because, you know, a guy like, you know, Woodford only has five innings in, in, in camp, 
you know, we don't know what they're doing, or I don't at least, on the backfields and how often those guys are pitching in those kind of games and, and still getting their work in. Yeah, I mean, and you, and you really almost kind of look at Aaron Brooks being thrown into this group of young guys. Aaron Brooks, 31 years yeah. old, and oh, just as recent as 2019, you know, made made 18 starts with, with a couple of different teams. So it's nice to know they have a guy in him that can also maybe – you know, again, that fifth spot, I think, Shoptaw is going to be a rotating door for mm-hmm. Hagen, Woodford, Brooks, man. That gets, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah, I, it's going to be that way until, and, and I think, until Flaherty gets back. And, uh, gosh, we, we, we're, there's no date there. But I, I, I think the one good thing about it is we'll, we'll get some answers on some of these pitchers, hopefully without the bullpen being cracked in half. But we're definitely going to get to watch some guys pitch. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, that first month or two is going to be a little bit of a feeling out period. And as long as they can find the strike zone, unlike last year, um, I think it won't be at least so miserable to watch. Uh, last year got pretty rough at times. So. Yeah, Don't... because every day is like, is this guy going to go two innings or four innings? I mean, mm-hmm. when, I mean, it's one thing to kind of get beat up. There was guys that we've watched with this team get beat up in five or six innings, but it's all about you know, holding off on having to go to that bullpen phone and just kind of, you know, seeing if there is a guy out there who can kind of stretch it out and, and give the give the team more innings than last year's teams. Because last year's, it felt like when you were at the All-Star break, it felt like for the, the watching them go through pitchers, it had been a whole season. Right. Yeah, it felt like it. And, you know, they had put up some numbers and made it look like a whole season, especially with walks with the bases loaded. But, uh yeah, uh, you know, but they they turned a corner in that second half, and, and partly because of, of getting some new arms in there to, to help out. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, and really a, a lot of that, I think, came around because some of the arms that were trying to find a way to click in the first half finally did. I think that's going to be the, the endurance test not only for the team but for the fan base and just kind of, as as Kyle Reese would warn us, a lot of these guys, you know, we, we, don't, we haven't seen them before. They're kind of getting settled in to see what they can do is, you know, it's going to be a, definitely be a filling out period and an endurance test for Cardinal nation. Yeah. So it should be fun. Um, you know, we're getting, you know, just a week away now. So, um, anything else on the Cardinals that we haven't touched on, you'd like to talk about before we maybe shift gears as we used to do into the entertainment world. No, I, I think that the one thing I'm really intrigued by is that, Hopefully, seeing some more Kisner. I know that's that's easier to easier said than done. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that how that develops. But I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing. I mean, with all the pool host fanfare, that to seeing which. I guess a question for you would be what 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 young offensive player do you think does get up on this club and kind of make a dent, or is it Lars Newbar makes a bigger extension this year as a younger player? You know, do you think is it a a Donovan, a Gorman, or a Yepes that finds its way by the end of September with you know a little bit of Major League Baseball experience in his back pocket. Yeah, I think they'll all get a little bit um, because I think there's a there's a decent chance at some point in time there'll be a little bit of that rotation of you know maybe Yepes comes up for a couple of weeks and then yeah. you know, maybe Gorman takes his place and, and vice versa. It, it would be an interesting way to get these guys a little bit acclimated to the big leagues without, you know, making them required to, you know, the pressure of having to start or anything of that nature, you know, and you can option players five times this year, but, you know, you wouldn't necessarily, that really wouldn't stop them from, you know, like I said, giving a a couple week run to Gorman here and there and just enough to, you know, soak up being in the big leagues and, you know, talking to Pujols and, and things of that nature. Um, if if you have to guess on which one makes the biggest impact though this year, I think I'm still going with Yepes just because I could see him getting a chance at the DH spot more than Gorman at second base. I mean, just 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 a guess. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of think so too because I I I do think you know learning a, a, a position and playing in in the minors and and just kind of flipping flipping the page and getting up here to play it a lot. I always thought that was kind of going to be one of those things that might be a slow process. Mm-hmm. I think maybe he could get like, you know, maybe 10 starts at second base if he gets up here this year and then get some DH time. But I, I agree with you about Yepes because, 
I think with the DH, there's just a, 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 a that that quick spot to get him in there. If Pools needs an IL stint, or if the, the DH position just needs a little bit of a kick in one of those dry spells, if he's ripping Memphis apart, mm-hmm. he comes up. He could be that offensive surge that the team needs. Yeah. Very good possibility. So. All right, so let's shift it then. You know, obviously your day job, as it were, uh, when it's when you're not talking sports, is to talk about movies and all that kind of all that kind of jazz. Just had the Oscars. I don't think we need to rehash that. Um, <laughs> but what's coming out soon that you're interested in? I mean, I think I think there's there, there's again the, the the movie season is kind of starting to pick up. There's there's a few different movies I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to. I would say that. You know, even though Michael Bay is is kind of hit or miss with his bombastic action, there's something about um, the upcoming Jake Gyllenhaal movie called Ambulance that just kind of looks like one of those good springtime actioners. Uh, it's got uh, Abdul Mateen II, who played Candyman in the remake. He's kind of a up-and-coming actor. It just looks like one of those fast-break action flicks. But there's a movie with Alexander Sarsgaard, who people will know from True Blood and assorted movies called The Northman that just looks like one of those medieval bash fests. It's a, it's a Viking tale, let's just put it that way, about a Viking who, who's avenging his father's murder. So that comes out in April. I think that's one that's getting talked about a lot. But, you know, summer season, man, uh, the, the, the good old Marvel train is, is, is going to be coming out soon. I know everything got kind of pushed back. I'm looking forward the most out of that next slate to um, Thor Love and Thunder. I, I really want to see how they bring back Natalie Portman and how they mix her into the cast with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson and that, that great group. And um, I, I mean, there's just so much coming out. I really want to see, um, I know people aren't are kind of halfway on it, but I want to see Top Gun 2 since I, since I watched the trailer three years ago. <laughs> I honestly I, thought that movie had come out at some point in time. I really, I want to see what really made Cruz finally go, okay, let's make this movie. Because I know he wanted to make it with Tony Scott before Tony's untimely death. But now that he's made it all these years later, and the way they're going to try to bring back Val Kilmer, I think by trying to restore his voice, which was taken away by throat cancer, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. But yeah, I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 coming out for kids here this next month. Mark Wahlberg's got a, a drama coming out called Father Stew. I, I, I think, I mean, I can't even tell you, Shop Tall, about all the streaming shows and TV, the movies, because every other day, Hulu, Apple TV Plus, and Netflix. Gary Oldman has an Apple TV Plus show. I, I, will, I will pitch this out there for anybody that has. Apple TV Plus. There's a really good new spy series. The, the, the Gary Oldman series is called Slow Horses, and it's about all the MI5 rejects that get kind of thrown down to the basement of you know the you know, the, the, the the British intelligence agency who are expected to, to just be dead ends for their career. They get this case, and Gary Oldman's kind of like the leader of this ragtag group. So that looks a little different after your usual. Um, James Bond MI5 movie, but more like the you know the misfit toys. So that's a different kind of series. But I think there's just the one thing I can say, Shop Doll, is that there's a lot out there. There's something for everybody, I think. <laughs> yeah, but there's only one thing out there. That's that's the fact that Obi Wan Kenobi is going to be out in yes, you know, a month, less than two months now. So that's uh, that's it's the good focus. You and too. I'm, I'm I'm really glad that he got a chance to because I always thought. In those movies, in that in that trilogy of films, he was always really kind of because everybody kind of crapped on the movies. He was kind of almost forgotten about how good he was as Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was. I think he and Ian McDermott probably were the only two that are really just yeah overly. I mean, even you know, you had some great actors in that with Samuel L. Jackson and Natalie Portman and those as well. But even mm-hmm. then, they didn't. It was one. <laughs> yeah, they didn't quite. Uh, directing or, or, or dialogue or whatever the case, it didn't, they didn't always feel as, as natural, but, uh, you and McGregor as Obi-Wan always did. So it's always going to be fine. I'm going to have problems after, uh, years of listening to James Arnold Taylor be Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Clone Wars. Um, <laughs> the, the voice is going to be a little bit different, but, uh, interested to see how that works. Yeah. I mean, 
I I think I, I just got to tip my cap to John Favreau. I I think the guy that kind of burst onto the scene with Swingers as his writer actor, and now he is just with with, with the way he kickstarted Marvel and the way that he really Disney Plus. He kind of made that a destination with the Mandalorian and you know the the, the spinoffs that he's going to have with them, and, and and of course the Chef series with Netflix. I just got to give, I always got to give a special shout out to Favreau. There's like, if, you know, he, he kind of gives a little bit of life to the idea that you don't have to have, obviously have the movie star looks or to have longevity in Hollywood. He's found it. Yeah. I think I wanted to see if it's the first thing. He, it's not the first thing I'm sure he ever did, but one of the first things he ever did. So it's the thing I remember him from was being oh, yeah. uh, Monica, Monica Geller's boyfriend in like that's what the second season of friends. Uh, he, he went back as the as the uh, ultimate, uh, the rich guy that wanted to be the ultimate fighting champion. Uh, that's uh, that's going way back. But uh... Gnome is the guy that taught every man to never call the girl right away. You know, <laughs> it's just that that is kind of what he was. And then in the last like ten years, of course, Chef is one of my favorite movies of, of, of all time. Just because it came up and kind of snuck up and surprised me about how good it was. But he was always a guy that kind of did his own thing and he, even the way he did two iron man films and he's like oh, i'll play happy hogan i'll be all right i don't yeah. want to direct anymore and then he went and made chef a movie that he, he just kind of made on his own yeah. <laughs> he, he had a he had a after I, two iron man movies he probably thought oh, i gotta get there and just edit it and act in it and produce it i'm not nobody's touching it <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, uh, I don't I don't know. He's definitely done a, a great job. And you're right. He's he and Dave Filoni have, have turned yeah. around the Star and, Wars and, things. And, and, and I think that's what he did. I, I think he really let Dave kind of really just be a freak. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he brought him on. And I, I bet you in the early going, he was by like, John, if I'm going to do this, this Mandalorian, if I'm going to do this thing. You better let me just, you know, let, let my freak flag fly. And, and, and I think John did. And I think. I mean, my son is a Mandalorian fanatic. He watches it. I've watched it, but he watches it over. He like he does what I do with movies. He does with the, the Star Wars show. So he's definitely invested in the in that world. Uh, uh, this is the way is said a lot around here. Usually <laughs> bath time. I said bath time. This is the way. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. It doesn't work, but it sounds good when I say it, though. So thank you. <laughs> That's the important thing. <laughs> That is the important thing. So, uh, wrap it up. Where are you? I mean, you've got your you've got your Substack, I know, yes, and your and Patreon hey, going. I, I will give you all the credit for that, man. I saw you post an article, I think in January, and I was like, oh, shop talk. This is like LeBron taking his talents to Miami. He took his talents to Substack at least for a little bit. So, that's where really a lot of the Cardinal content is at right now. I there could be some KSDK pieces, but. They mostly get the movie stuff, and then if there's a Jewish actor in it, like Scarlett Johansson, then I get to write it for St. Louis Jewish Light. I was writing Cardinal stuff for them last year, and the readers were loving it, but then, you know, the board kind of axed it. So uh, that's when I saw you doing the Substack thing, and I promptly opened up a Substack. So that's where you can probably find a lot of the Cardinal content this year. Good deal. It's, it's, it's going well, though. I know that you've got some that's free, <laughs> some that's behind the paywall. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I try to do a, a good amount of free posts because I think that that's a great way to to pull people in. But you know, um, my wife and I went with the, the the most the cheapest prices available. I think we even I think the bottom was like five bucks a month, and and I write about once a day, and, I, and I'm starting to do. They offer up those video and podcast options. So once I I come out of the caveman age and actually put my <laughs> microphone together, um, I. I I, I just like the the possibilities it gives you. It, it makes it pretty easy. Their their administrative boards kind of like WordPress in a lot of ways, so mm-hmm. it's it's nice. But yeah, the two kudos to you for pointing me in that direction. Well, I'm I'm glad to indirectly at least help you in that regard. Um, yeah, I've, the, I've, I've thrown a little bit over there. I you know I, I have enough trouble writing at one spot nowadays. It's, as I get old, it's it's hard to find the time, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I threw a little bit over there and, uh, I will, um, probably continue to do a little bit, maybe the series previews again this year over there. So, um, yeah. anyway, well, it was good having you on, uh, look forward. We'll try not to make it six years, uh, before you do it again. 
Uh, <laughs> it will not happen with this team. I, I, I think, uh, I think this team's going to keep things pretty interesting. So we'll be, we'll, we'll have to do at least once a season what to kind of get together and, you know, hash out the roster and the could be's and the maybes and have some fun with it. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. So, um, until next week, as I said, Alan should be back, I believe, next week, and hopefully he'll be there for, for a while now. We've had a very nice run of guest hosts, but it'll be good to get him back on here. But until then, for Dan, I'm Daniel. Good night. My name is Daniel Shoptaw, an Arkansas accountant with a love for the Cardinals. I spent a lot of years watching the game before deciding to write about it. Now I express my thoughts and opinions at C70 at the bat, part of the Cardinal Conclave. His name is Dan Buffa, a former Bush Stadium scoreboard operator with a passion for the game. His writing talents can be found throughout the internet on a variety of topics, including movies and anything St. Louis. You'll find him often bleeding out words at stlouissportsminute.com. Every week, we pool our knowledge and our opinions to create this podcast. Together, we are the best Dans in baseball.